This podcast is brought to you by Men's Tea Clinic. Men's Tea Clinic is the team I trust with my total wellness optimization, and so should you. Five DFW locations with North Frisco, El Dorado Parkway at Dallas North Tollway now open. Call 972-GO-MEN'S-TEA or visit mensteaclinic.com. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Welcome back. It is the G-Bag Nation. We are live on Radio Row in Phoenix. Our coverage brought to you by Rally House, your home for officially licensed NFL gear, your city, your house, Rally House. And it's brought to you by Window Nation. Buy two windows, get two free, windownation.com. Sam Munson, pro football focus lead analyst, is sitting down with us now here on the fan. And a good afternoon, sir. Thank you so much for joining us. No problem. Thanks for having me. Um, you know, I, I think one of the more interesting things from our perspective going into this offseason in Dallas, I can't wait to get your thoughts on the Super Bowl, but what do the Cowboys need to do more of? You know, what do the numbers su- uh, suggest? Yeah, I don't know if they need to do more of something. I think they just need to kind of address some areas that were exposed as weaknesses. Like too much of that offense runs through CeeDee Lamb right now. And CeeDee Lamb's a great player, but... You know, they need more places to go with the football. And if you find that secondary guy, maybe that is Michael Gallup just getting healthier next year, another year removed from that injury, or, you know, one of the young guys that they brought in is taking that step forward. But they need to find more ways of winning in the pass game than just relying on CeeDee Lamb winning one-on-one and making plays because sooner or later you're going to find a team that can stop that and then you need that second counterpunch. So your priority would be let's find faster, better skill players for Dak to get the ball to this offseason? Yeah, and I think, you know, T.Y. Hilton made a difference when he came over, but he's, like, right at the tail end of his career. It's it's not enough. You know, that's why this team was being talked about with Odell Beckham the whole time because if you got the guy that the Rams got, you know, when they won their Super Bowl, that would make that kind of difference. Like, that would give you that second player that can go out there and be pretty much anybody and that just that helps everybody out. It makes everything better on the offense. What role has the offensive line played in Dak's career? He comes in. It's a legendary line. It's, it's been up and down since then. And that would be my counter. Like, don't we need to protect Dak more or open up more running games to create more balance? Yeah, and I, but I think the offensive line is in pretty good shape. Obviously, Terrence Steele going down made a difference. Like, he was having a really good year at right tackle. Every time they had to reshuffle, it made things slightly worse. But when the starting five is out there, when they have the five guys that they think are the starters going forward, I think that's a really good offensive line. It might not be where it was when three of the five guys were all pros, Hall of Fame type caliber, but it's still a really good unit. And I think more than good enough for everything else in this offense to function. And then one follow-up on Dak. I love having you here, man. I, I just I love how the analytics have illuminated things about the game. One of my questions is, you know, I think that the offensive passing game metrics, as we try to separate that, what role does the quarterback have in a lot of these? Because a lot of the quarterback metrics will be like, well, look at this guy. He's a god. It's, you know, it's completion percentage over expectation. I'm like, how do you give that credit to the quarterback? How accurate are we right now at measuring that? Yeah, I think it's always difficult. You're never going to be able to separate the quarterback from everything involved in making quarterback play because it is inherently linked, right? How good a receiver receiving core a quarterback is throwing to is impossible to strip out from the equation not because you know you can't differentiate when those guys are making plays at the point of attack 
but because where you really can't separate it is how many times does having a good receiver change the way he's playing and actually give him opportunities and he's not taken otherwise like if he had five guys that are all terrible he's not even taking the shot on some of these Mm -hmm. passing routes right whereas if he's got receivers he's got confidence in he's more aggressive he's putting the ball deeper down the field and it just changes the whole dynamic so you're never going to be able to completely isolate it all you can do is look at the numbers try and weigh the impact that receiving core that offensive line protection that play calling and scheme like try and sort of come up with how much of an influence these things are having and then figure out where that makes adjustments to how good you think that guy is overall. Do you have a number that you think shows and evaluates the quarterback better than others? I mean, obviously, you know, PFF here, so we're going to lean on PFF's grade, which is it's the only thing out there that adds this layer of context and and, uh, nuance that you're not going to get in these statistical things. And it's actually the thing we get criticized for a lot is, well, it's subjective. But I actually think the subjectivity is the strength in it because you can determine whether or not this pass actually was a good ball that was bailed out by a receiver at the back end, right? By the ball location, whether it was a real 50-50 jump ball or whether it was actually a play that needed the receiver to bail it out. It was a, a, a risky pass. Yes, it's subjective, but it's also as long as you're doing it within a framework and consistently time after time, it's that um, level of context that doesn't exist in other statistical sort of outcomes. Sam Munson, Pro Football Focus, with us here in the G-Bag Nation. Losing Kellen Moore, is that a loss or is that a gain or is that a net neutral now that it's McCarthy calling plays and Schottenheimer, you know, roaming around? I do think it's a loss. I I understand that Kellen Moore's offense maybe didn't kick on from where it looked uh, early in his time and, you know, where he was putting up some incredible numbers and there's weaknesses to what he was doing. But when you look at how that offense has performed sort of league-wide since he's been there, it's been as effective as pretty much any offense in the NFL. And my bigger criticism would be what you're replacing it with, you know, Mike McCarthy essentially calling plays, and if it's Mike McCarthy's offense generally, when you listen to this, what the criticisms were of that offense at the tail end of his time in Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers, it was similar sort of problems. It was There's no cheap easy yardage being schemed up here this is a couple of uh, route concepts and it's relying on receivers winning one-on-one and if they're not the offense doesn't sing the way we expect it to and that's why people were like well what's what's wrong with Aaron Rodgers in this offense Hmm. Sam when when you you know there's guys like me that are crusty old NFL (laughs) scouts Hmm. and we didn't grow up on analytics and stuff like that we fought you every step of the way are you finding more guys like me turning around, or are the crusty guys like myself still crusty? I think there's, so, there's always some resistance. You know, I think a lot of the times, though, when we get into arguments with people, you know, the, the facts and the data and things like that, they end up coming out on, on our side. And we're not going to win every time, right? Sure. We're going to be wrong sometimes, and we have been. But there are some times where the data and certainly certain small sample size things, they show up. And we were way out in front of a guy like Cameron Wake, you know, who was putting up incredible numbers on like 150 snaps. And Joey Porter was the outside linebacker for Miami. And we were like, Miami needs to sit Joey Porter down. I mean, this guy behind him is putting up insane numbers. And maybe that won't happen if you give him 500 snaps in a a year. But if it does, you've upgraded massively at the position. And you kind of owe it to find out, right? Mm -hmm. Because Joey Porter wasn't tearing it up. So I think sometimes... 
the, the data just kind of bears it out, and eventually you don't need to make the argument anymore. You just need to say, well, look, this is all the information we have, right? And all this information is pointing in one direction. And maybe that comes out our way, maybe it doesn't, but like, let the information speak for itself. How much of an opportunity is there for NFL teams to in- implement more of what you guys are doing, and, and, and what's the current state of, of teams using it? I think teams are getting a lot better at this stuff, and the real sort of area of improvement has been in-game decisions. It's been the fourth down stuff. It's been when to go for two, all that kind of stuff, because that is where the numbers are a lot more black and white. And yet, you know, you can always sort of add a little bit of layer of context, but the bottom line is you're not, there's never a right or a wrong answer, like 100%, 0%. It's all doing it this way is going to give you a couple of percentage points in win probability in this game, which over the course of the season is going to magnify it. And, you know, it's just going to give you a better chance of winning going forward. So I think that the smart teams are already doing that. And over the course of the year, Maybe that adds up to a win that you wouldn't have gotten otherwise. How did you get involved in, in football at this level? Were you a football guy or a numbers guy first? I was a, I mean, football guy, I guess. I was lucky enough to kind of be in at the ground floor uh, of PFF. I knew Neil Hornsby, who set up the company and was one of the sort of first five guys in the door doing our stuff. So, But, no, I'm not a numbers guy at all. Like, I have zero math background whatsoever. Other people do that. You, you don't want me messing with the numbers. <laughs> you and me both. <laughs> hey, Sam, I was going to ask you, okay, when, when you, know, you talk about coaches and how they use it or teams, how they use it, is it, does it hurt you guys when you get somebody like a Brandon Staley that makes constant decisions and then they don't work? Mm. I mean, is it because yeah. then it's like immediately everybody's going to jump on and you're, you're going to give us a really good explanation why he needs to keep doing it. Right. And then we watch the Chargers keep blowing games. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely two parts to that. There's the whether or not it was the right decision to go for it or not. But if you're going to go for it, you need to execute, right? Right, And you need to have the right play calls to execute. A lot of the times last year, one, Brandon Staley was going for it like way more than the data said to. He was actually being way more aggressive than the data would say to go for it. But two, a lot of the times when he was doing it, um, the play calls that he had were crazy. It's like fourth and one, yeah. and he's running like an ISO route, route on the backside yeah. eight yards deep. And you're yeah. like, this is not going to work. That's never going to pick up fourth and one. So you're right. There's a huge part of, like, let's get on the right page in terms of when we're making these calls. But then you've got to have the right play calls as well. What interests you most about the Super Bowl? I mean, the whole game, I think, is fantastic. Like, this is the best matchup that we could have gotten, in my opinion. The number one team in the NFC, the number one team in the AFC, that doesn't always happen. So to get that in a Super Bowl, I think, is great. The thing that's jumping out the most to me, I think, is that Eagles offensive line, the number one unit in the NFL against Chris Jones and the rest of that Chiefs defense. That has the potential to be fun. How, how, how important is it that the Chiefs get healthy in their receiving core? Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's we saw at the end of the, the championship game, they were running on fumes in that game without any wide receivers left. And I think had that game gone to overtime, Kansas City might have been in trouble because they really had run out of viable options for Mahomes to go to. So, yeah, I think they need, you know, at least one of Juju, Mikal Hardman, one of those guys back in action to give him somewhere to go. Is there a, a certain difference maker that you see in this game? Like you mentioned Cameron Wake. Is there an underrated player in this one that you think that the numbers are showing could be a big difference maker? I think both those Eagles edge rushers against the Chiefs offensive tackles are both mismatches in, in Philadelphia's favor. I think if they can, they're difficult players to block. They're stylistically, body type-wise, they're sort of slightly unusual and awkward players 
particularly for huge guys like Orlando Brown, like that could be a definite area for them. Should the Eagles pay big money to Jalen Hurts? I mean, I think they're going to at some point. Like, he's shown this year what he's capable of before he got hurt. Like, I think they're, at that point, they did a good job of sort of hedging and not committing to him too early, being able to pivot if they needed to. But, like, this was the year they needed to see to convince them that, yeah, he's their guy. What about Daniel Jones? I I don't think Daniel Jones has shown that. I mean, they're going to probably keep him in some capacity, but, like, I wouldn't be giving him a big money contract at this point. Tony Pollard, Cowboys. I love Tony Pollard. I I so want him to get paid somewhere. I think he's earned that based off what he's done. I just don't know if you want to. I wouldn't want to be the guy that gives a running back a big second contract, but he he deserves to be paid. Huge topic on our show, and I know it's maybe not quite draft season yet, but B. John Robinson in the first round, are are we going all in on that? I mean, look, PFF is contractually obliged to hate running backs in the first round, but (laughs) I I don't hate it as a concept. I think he's good enough that a mid-first-round pick and a guy like him is not a bad deal, even if he doesn't work out. It's not that much money, so absolutely, go for it. Is Dak good enough to win a Super Bowl? He's good enough to win a Super Bowl if the team around him is good enough. The question is, can he take a team that shouldn't be there to the Super Bowl? And that, I think, is much more mm-hmm. unlikely. Sam, if you uh, smell a weird stench anywhere near around a bathroom in here, you can blame uh, that guy right there, Broadus. Got it. Yeah, thank Got you. It. Sam, you are the man, but on your Twitter bio it says you're not a real-life guy. Yeah. What, what does that mean? Somebody on Twitter said that. I'm, I'm not a real-life <laughs> real guy. So I just thought, you know what, I'm going to put that in the bio. I think that's a good one. I love it, man. Thank you so much for your information. That was incredible. No problem. Thanks for having me, guys. There he is. Sam. you got to follow him on Twitter and read his stuff at Pro Football Focus. Watch him on Pro Football Focus. Sam Munson here, live in Radio Row on 105.3 The Fan, home of the Cowboys, on the A number one air hot seat, the heating, electric, and plumbing pros. Okay, we have a bowl of super tasty NFL stuff, which is fitting because we are in a recreational state. Chia Follow is going to run it down for you next year on 105.3 The Fan. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.